Well, good morning, everybody. If I didn't get to say hi to you, I'm sorry. Uh, today, I want to talk about living out our faith, living out our faith in Christ, what it means to be a Christian in a fallen world. You know, um, I love that song that we sang earlier, What a Day That'll Be. Don't you love that song? Amen. Man, I love that song. It just really gets me going, you know. When I look upon the face of the one who saved me by his grace, he'll take me by the hand, lead me through the promised land. Doesn't that sound awesome? Yeah, that is something that just really drives our hearts and minds to think about what it's going to be like when we go to be with God, when we leave this world behind, and all these traps and snares and things of this life, all these pains and aches, all these bad weather. I don't know about you. If you, if you, if you I don't know, maybe you like winter. Uh, I've lived in Kansas most of my life. I'm not really a big fan of winter anymore. But um, we're going to leave that all behind. There, But there is also, I want to say this, there's a majesty in God's creation, even in winter, isn't there? There is, there is. But we're not there yet, are we? We're not with God in that sense of that song. We're here in this world. We live in a world that's fallen, that's seeking to draw us back into fallenness. Every day we face this fallenness of our world. We face the temptations. We face the struggles and difficulties of what it's like to try to be a Christian in this world today, in our culture. So let me ask you, are you growing in your spiritual life? That's the idea I want to talk about today. Are you growing in your spiritual life? If you have your Bible, and I hope you do, open it up to Romans chapter 12, find verse 3. Let's start there, and uh, let's read God's Word together. Maybe you have a, a smartphone with a Bible. That's fine. Open that up, Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The Apostle Paul is the writer. He uh, was a very special man that God used in a very powerful way. He writes here in verse 3, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it's contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless, do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil with in, I'm sorry, do not repay e anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. That sounds like an awful lot, doesn't it? That sounds like a lot that could overwhelm us if we try to do this in our own strength. Guess what? We can't. That's why we need to grow and develop and strengthen our spiritual life. Let's pray before we go much further. Father, this morning we just come before you. We humbly kneel ourselves before your throne. We thank you for your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, as we look at this list, this, this statement that Paul 
uh, gave to the Romans. It's to us too today, and Father, we might be overwhelmed by that, by all the things that Paul wrote about there. It seems almost heavy, doesn't it, Lord, for us? And Lord, in our own strength, it is heavy, so that's why, that's why we need you each and every day, not just Sundays or Wednesdays or just a few days out of the week, but every day, God, we need to walk closer and closer to you. We need to just breathe in your breath every day. Help us to do that, Father. Help us to grow. Help us to start growing. If we've stopped growing, Lord, help us to start growing today, right now. And Father, I just pray you would speak through me and use me for your glory. I don't want any praise or anything like that. I want you to be glorified, exalted. I want you to remind us, Father, remind me of who we are, that we are your people. We are the body of Christ on earth, and we thank you for that privilege and, and what a joy it gives us and strength and encouragement as well. So as we go through this time of worship through the word, I just would ask, Father, you'd use us, use me. As your mouthpiece, Father, to build your church and strengthen it, that we all might be your people on earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, today many people, even some some Christians, when you talk to them about the Christian faith, when you talk to them about what it means to be to have a spiritual life, they'll say, I'm not religious. I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. And what they mean is, is they don't want to be involved in a formal setting, a formal organization of religious background or anything like that. They, they want to just be spiritual. So I don't know what that means, but I do know from the Bible what a spiritual life is. And part of that description of a spiritual life is right here in Romans chapter 12. For Christians, the spiritual life is just simply your relationship with God. That's really all it is. When you boil it all down, it's your relationship with God. And this relationship has a beginning, right? We all have a point in, in our history where we came to Jesus Christ by faith. We asked him to forgive our sins and be our Savior and Lord, right? Amen? Yeah, we all have that moment. Maybe you don't remember the day or the year exactly, but you remember that you did that. That's important is to remember the fact that you did that. We should remember the time that we made that commitment, that we made our own personal commitment to believe in Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. I like that. I like beginnings, don't you? Guess what, though? The spiritual life for the Christian has no end. There's no end to it. Why? Because someday we are going to go and see the face of the one who saved us by his grace. We are going to take him by the hand. He's going to lead us to the promised land. He's promised us that. He's given us that assurance. So our relationship with God, our spiritual life, will never end. For, I'm sad to say, for many people in the world, their spiritual life stops right here, doesn't it? This is it. This is all they But no one is going to water your spiritual life. No one is going to feed or nourish your spiritual life. If you neglect your spiritual life, you're at fault. Not me and not your husband or spouse or brother or sister or anybody else. We are responsible for our own personal spiritual lives and for the health of those lives. The Christian spiritual life is about walking through this life with God. It's about being something more than doing something. Christians pray, Christians study the Bible, Christians serve each other and others, they worship, they encourage others, they give. But those actions are not the totality of our spiritual life. Those things are just part of it, in a very small way, are part of our spiritual life. A lot of people pray, did you know that? Yeah, Muslims pray five times a day. A good Muslim will pray five times a day. Buddhists pray. 
Lots of people read books for spiritual guidance. Have you heard of of um, soup for the what is that soup for the spiritual chicken soup for the spiritual life or something like that? Very bland, very just kind of poppy kind of books to read about spiritual things. Many people serve others. Uh, many people encourage other people, give to organizations, try to encourage people. Uh, lots of people do these things, but God isn't involved in any of those things with those people. They don't do those things for God. They do those things for themselves to feel good or to, to make themselves look good. I don't know about you, but Paul's letter to the Romans is a meaty, meaty letter. A lot of depth to this letter. It's an interesting letter. You should read it. It's like the rest of the Bible. It is worthy of being read and studied. Paul wrote the letter as a way to introduce himself to the church in Rome, the city of Rome, because he was planning on going to Rome and then going on to Spain to proclaim the gospel there, to take the gospel where nobody else had gone with it. This was his plan. Most people believe he didn't make it to Rome or to Spain, that he died there in Rome under the Caesars. In the, in the letter to the Romans, he talks about God's righteousness how great it is, how pure it is, about why it's important and beneficial to believe in Jesus Christ. Do you know that it is beneficial to be a Christian, to be a true Christian, to be a genuine, growing Christian? There's a great deal of benefits to this, such as a peace of mind and spirit. <clears throat> how many people you know who don't have a relationship with God? And spiritually speaking, in their mind, in their emotions, and in their thinking, they're very confused at times, and they struggle. A better life. You know, Christians have a better life. We live longer. The uh, U.S. Census proves that out, that we live longer than unbelievers do. Uh, there's the rewards of Christian service that we get that come to us, not necessarily materially, but spiritually we get the, the, the sense of being used by God in a powerful way. I like that. We're given hope. We're given strength. We're given God's guidance. All of this are benefits to us because we follow Christ. So cultivating the, the spiritual life is important. It's important for you and for me and for everybody. It was important to Paul. He writes about it in almost all of his letters. Now, you won't see the phrase spiritual life, but you'll see things where he talks about a spiritual life. And I'll show you some of these things here in a little bit. He mentions all of this in all, almost all of his letters. He's always trying to get people to grow closer to God. Let's look at Romans 12, verses 3 to 18. Romans 12, Paul said, number one on your outline this morning, number one on the back of your bulletin, your spiritual life should help you value other people. Your spiritual life should help you value other people. Look at verse 3 through 5 with me. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourselves with sober judgment in accordance with the message measure of faith God has given you, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Your spiritual life should help you value other people. Now, the world doesn't value anybody. The world uses people like tissue paper. It throws it away. It throws lives away every day. So it's up to the church to show that people have value. It's up to the church to show the, un, uh, the unbelieving world that they have value in God's eyes. No one else is going to do that. It's up to the church to do that. Your spiritual life should help you value other people, particularly each other in the church, but also unbelievers around you. Something that I do as a pastor is to encourage people 
to put their faith in Christ. Go, go, can you believe that? To encourage people to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Then I try to help them grow in their relationship with God and keep on growing. It's part of my role as pastor. I try to help them walk with God as they live every day. And that's what I'm trying to do with you uh, as a church, is to help you to, to walk and grow in your walk with God every day. Not just on Sunday, but every day. The church is not a building, is it? Amen? The church is the people. You are the people. Now, the church is not all here. Some folks didn't make it to church today, to worship today. But the church is the people. It's not the building. We have to understand that the church exists to help followers of Christ nourish their spiritual life. That's what we're doing here today. That's why we celebrate the Lord's Supper, too. That's why we do that together. That's why we don't do that at home. We do that together because we're a family. We're the family of God. We're a church. The church is not supposed to be a club either, is it? Right? Amen? No, the church is not meant to be a club. It's not supposed to be an exclusive clique of people that's open just to certain ones and nobody else. The church will always have groups. A healthy church should have groups. But they ought to be open to anyone who's looking and striving to grow in their relationship with God. Yeah. That's why I say our spiritual life should help us value other people. That's also why Paul said this in Philippians 2, verse 3. He said, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. He's talking to Christians. But in humility, consider others better than yourself. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. I hope you're trying to do that. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. You want to know the attitude that Jesus had? Read the Gospels. And you'll learn very quickly. He had, a very, he had a very servant attitude. He was a leader, yes. But he was also a servant. And he tried to value people. He tried to teach people, hey, you have value. So I love you. Paul wrote something similar to Philippians 2 here in verse 12. Chapter 12, verse 3, where he says, look at verse 3 again. For, the, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. I love some of these phrases that Paul uses. He talks about a measure of faith that God gives us. And we would think that the measure is limited, right? Right? Ladies, you have measurements in your kitchens. Guys, you have measurements in your garages that you measure things out. Cup, half cup, third cup, right? That's not the way it works with God. He'll measure but he'll keep on giving. So that half cup actually could turn into a gallon. Right? Because if we're acting in faith, God's going to give us more faith. And he'll give us more faith. So the measure is unending if we want it to be unending. You want to shut God's grace off? Go ahead. You want to shut off God's faith or measure faith to you? Go ahead. I don't want to do that. I want to experience it all, don't you? Yeah, and I want others to experience that too. Paul tells us also that we all have a role or a function in the life of the church. I like that too. That we all have something to contribute. Not just money, but we have time and energy and effort and skills and gifts. Look at verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Think about that. We are a body. Some of you are hands and feet. Some of you are fingers. Some of you are eyes and ears. 
We're all the body. And we're all responsible for the church, right? We're all responsible for the church. We're all responsible for the unity of the church, to be a unit. Ephesians 4, verse 3, Paul wrote this, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Every Christian church ought to be at peace with itself, with its community, and with God. Doesn't mean we don't stand up for things. Doesn't mean we take a biblical stand on an issue, but we have to be at peace. We're supposed to be at peace. We want to reach other people in our community. We have to be at peace with them. We have to also be unified. We all, we, we're in this together. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. That's the Bible's words. We're in this together. I wonder if the church is weak because the church isn't together at times. As a member of the church, you show your value of other people by using the gifts God gives you, by taking that measure of faith that God gives you every day and using it for His glory. It's not enough to say that we value people or someone else. We need to demonstrate that. We have to prove that. People want to see proof. Paul said we do that, we prove that by serving others through the church. Point number two in your outline, your spiritual life should help you serve others. Right? Amen? Yeah. Our spiritual lives should motivate us to want to serve others. Look at verse 6. He says, we have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Let him or her, let they do these things. Your spiritual life should help you serve others. You're meant to serve. You're created to serve. You're gifted to serve in many ways. I like what Paul said to let a person serve according to as they are gifted, right? In verse 6, he said the gifts for service are a form of God's grace. I like that too. We have different gifts. Your gift is not my gift. Maybe we might share some of the similar gifts. According to the grace given us. Have you ever thought about your giftedness, that you're given grace to serve somebody in some way? Have you thought about that? Yeah. You know, serving people is, a, is an act of grace. You're here with Cornerstone today because God has brought you here. You're not here because you wandered in off the street. You're here because God has brought you here. He has given you a gift of grace to serve others with. It would be a tremendous waste to not use your gift, the gift of grace that God has given you to serve somebody else. What a waste that would be to miss out on that opportunity to serve somebody else. And your spiritual life cannot possibly grow unless you use your gift of grace, whatever that is, for God's glory. You see, the gifts that God gives you are not given so to make you look good. They're given to you, given to us, to make God look good through our lives. Yeah. In Mark chapter 10, verse 42, Jesus called them together and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. And said, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servants. 
And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The example that we're supposed to follow is Jesus Christ. He came to this world not to be served, not to be made a king, though he is a king. He is actually the king of kings. He came to serve. He came to give his life as a ransom for me, for you, for all of us, for the people around us that we struggle to get along with. Or, or have a hard time with. He died for them too. In verses 7 through 8, Paul wrote about seven specific gifts that God gives his followers, Jesus' followers. He talks about prophesying. This is the preaching of God's word in truth. Prophesying is about teaching God's word in truth, preaching it, proclaiming it in truth, not just proclaiming it. There are a lot of good preachers out there, isn't there? Amen? There's a lot of good pastors and preachers. They're doing their very best to preach the word, to proclaim the word in truth. But there are some, a few, that don't. And we need to be careful about that. Another one is serving. This is another special gift that God gives Jesus' followers. Serve, the, the ability to serve others in whatever way they can. Teaching, teaching in truth again. Teaching God's word, not just life, but God's word in truth. Encouraging others. Ever thought about encouraging others as a gift? Well, it is. Why? Because people need to be encouraged. This world will grind a person down, and they need to be encouraged. Giving. We're all called to this, but some people are given the ability to give more than others. That's their gift. They've been given that ability to give more generously because God has blessed them more so to give generously. Whenever someone can give, it's because God has given us something to give. That's the idea. Leadership, servant leadership. Jesus is our example again. And mercy. We're supposed to show others mercy because Jesus has showed us mercy. That through Christ, God has bestowed upon us this magnificent gift of mercy. So we're supposed to take that example and, and live it out in our life as well. All these are gifts that, that many of us have, that many of us uh, some of us use some gifts greater than others. God gives these gifts to individuals in the church so he can be glorified. So he can be exalted like the song says. And he is glorified the most when we use those gifts in the proper way, the way that shows who he is in our lives. And then our spiritual life is nourished and we are, gro we are grown stronger and stronger more powerful in our faith. Something else your spiritual life is meant to do is this. Number three, your spiritual life should guide you in the world that is dying. Look at verse 9. He says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. We live in a world that's dying. All around us, we see it every day. We, we live in this world, and it's basically rusting and falling apart. But we aren't. We aren't dying. We have that new life in Christ, that eternal life in Christ. So we're not dying. Now, the world wants to, and it will try to mislead us. It'll try to lead us away. It'll try to drown our faith and, and wipe out our belief in Christ, try to kill that relationship we have with God. That's why we need to grow in our spiritual lives. In verse 9, Paul wrote this. He said, hate what is evil, cling to what is good. 
Paul wrote this in such a way that it tells us we have to make a choice. We have to choose. Are we going to hate what's evil and cling to what's good? What is evil? I think that's kind of obvious, isn't it? There are lots of obvious evil in our world today. Some of the most obvious examples, the most egregious examples are abortion. Look at abortion today in our world. Murder is an evil today. We're seeing young people killed every week, aren't we? In the big city, Kansas City, children, teenagers. A young girl in Kansas City was shot at a basketball game. Unjust wars, that's evil. Why, why do the nations rage, right? Pornography, sexual immorality, all these things are, are part of cultures and they are all evil. Our culture, America, is drowning in evil. Do you know that? It is absolutely drowning in evil. Think of the entertainment industry. Music, movies, television, internet. Think of all the evil that our entertainment industry produces each and every day. Incredible amounts of it. Many businesses promote activities that can result in evil. Now, I'm not a prohibitionist but I despise alcohol. Alcohol will ruin people's lives. It wrecks families. It wrecked my family. Growing up, my father was a terrible alcoholic. Ruined my entire family. I hate alcohol. And yet, you see these beer companies, they, they have these commercials. Oh, buy our beer, blah, 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 but drink responsibly. As if to say, that's going to get you out of all this. Right? Now, I know the Bible doesn't say, thou shalt not drink alcohol. It doesn't say that. But it sure says, don't get drunk. And I would say, if you don't want to get drunk ever, just don't drink. What's the worst thing that can happen if you stay sober, right? Yeah. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying life. There's nothing wrong with going hunting and fishing. There's nothing wrong with going to a sporting event like KU basketball. or And now you go to Chiefs football, and it's actually fun, isn't it? Um, you can go to those things, go to movies. If you want to go to good movies or go to a good Christian concert, there's nothing evil about those things necessarily unless they interfere with your spiritual life. Anything that interferes with your spiritual life or tries to drown it out or reduce it, I believe that's evil because it comes between you and God. So you need to watch out for those things. In 1 Corinthians 7, verse 31, Paul tells us not to become too attached to the things of this world. Why? Because this world is passing away. It's dying. For this world in its present form is passing away. So the things of this world we can enjoy for a time, but we don't cling to them. We cling to Christ. Because He's eternal. Don't let anything, don't let anything dampen your spiritual life. Don't let anyone dampen your spiritual life. Don't let anything or anyone keep your spiritual life from growing. It's meant to guide you in this world. And by the way, something is going to guide you, right? Something's going to guide the way you live, the way you think, all these different things. Something's going to guide your, your life. Why not let it be God, right? Why not let it be God? I want to encourage you this year. I want to encourage you to get involved in a small group Bible study here in the church. Get involved in a group. If you're not already in one, you need to get involved in one. You need it for encouragement from others, and they need encouragement from you. And if you're not there, you can't do either. We have Sunday morning Bible studies that start at 9.30 every Sunday we have service. You can be part of that. You can be in a women's group. You can be in a mixed group. You can be a seniors group. Whatever. There's plenty. There's room for you. 
There's men's and ladies groups that meet throughout the month. Sometimes they meet here at the building. Sometimes they meet out in the community. If you're interested in being a part of one of those groups, just let me know. I'll gladly help you get keyed into there, get in, get connected. If you want to start a new group, I'd love to be part of helping you do that too. I'd love to help you get started. Come talk to me. Come, come see me and we'll figure out how to make that happen. But I want to encourage you, be part of a group. You can't be alone in this life as a Christian. You're part of the body and the body needs you. You and you alone are responsible for your spiritual life. Point number four, your spiritual life should strengthen you in difficult times. Your spiritual life should, should strengthen you in difficult times. Look at verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Man, I tell you what. Relationships can be difficult, can't they? Relationships with other people are often our biggest problems. It's where we, we tend to have our most problems is through our relationships with people. We all have our own personality, right? We all have our own likes and dislikes, our own preferences, the things that we want to do, the things that we enjoy. And not everybody has those same things that we do. Most of life's difficulties come through the way we relate to different people. It's just the way it is. And what Paul said to Christians in his day is still relevant today. He says, bless, do not curse, live in harmony with one another, rejoice with those who rejoice, and mourn with those who mourn. Paul's talking about sharing life with other people, not being afraid to step up and make friends with people, allow more people into your life. There's nothing wrong with that. You need that. And this is what the church should be known for, the building of relationships, the strengthening of people's spiritual lives with each other. But that takes work, doesn't it? It takes effort. I have to step out of my comfort zone and shake somebody by the hand. i got to say, hey, can, you come to, can we meet for Bible study? Can we meet and just uh, have coffee? Can we meet and just spend time together and know each other? Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Man, he's talking about building life together. He's talking about sharing life with other people. We tend to get too isolated. I see it in my neighborhood all the time. We got the, Anna and I got this dog. I got this dog a year ago. Now. And I, this dog walks me everywhere for like an hour after work. And I watch people drive into their driveways, into their garages, and the garage door comes down, and that's it. Never see them anymore. Except when the car backs out. And they go down the street and go wherever they're going. But then the garage door comes down. And they come back and goes right back in the garage. We're isolating ourselves. There's lots of reasons why that is, but it's a shame. We all need relationships. We all need each other. That's what the body of Christ is about. He's talking about sharing life with other people. Think about Jesus as our example again. Jesus spent about three and three and a half years with the disciples, with his closest disciples of the apostles, but when he faced the most difficult moment in his life on earth, when he faced that moment when he was getting ready to die on the cross, what did he do? He turned to his Father in heaven. He reached out to God the Father and sought strength from him for what was coming ahead. In Luke 22, verse 41, he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, beyond Peter and the others. He knelt down and prayed, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, not yet, not yet, not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. 
Man, in the moment of his greatest need of strength, Jesus reached out to God the Father. He had his own spiritual life. So if he had a spiritual life, don't you think it's important for you and I to have a spiritual life? I certainly do. He died for us so that we could have a spiritual life, a life that gives meaning to our daily lives, a life that strengthens us, a life that, that builds our faith in the worst of times. Friends, don't neglect your spiritual life. Don't do that. It's your relationship with God. It's been given to you because you put your faith in Jesus Christ. In the last book or last letter of the New Testament of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 2, Jesus gave the church a great warning. It's a warning we need to hear today. He says, wake up. Strengthen what's remains, what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you received and heard, and obey it and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what time I will come to you. Do you want to be ready? If you're on earth and Jesus comes back, do you want to be ready? Then grow your spiritual life. Build a spiritual life and help others do that as well. Our invitation song is Just As I Am. You know, every day, every morning, God gives us a day to live. And he takes that and, and he wants to, he takes us just as we are in the morning and he wants to change us throughout the day into what he wants us to be. Thank God for that. Amen. Thank God that he doesn't judge us because he certainly has the right to do that. Instead, he reaches out to us every day and draws us to himself just as we are. Let's stand. As we get ready to sing, think about where you're at with God and and where do you want to be? And where do you feel God leading you? Is God leading you to make a decision for him today? You need help understanding that decision? I'd be glad to help you. You can come forward while we sing and we can talk briefly. Well, you just listen to God. Let God lead you. Nobody else but let God lead you this morning as we sing. Let's pray. Father, thank you. That just as